Absolutely. Absolutely. I have the first biodynamic sustainable champagne since 1989, right here. Nice. I'm drinking some William Sonat, super nice. small producer, super small producer, certified organically and biodynamically, 100% Pinot. Really yeah. Nice stuff. Also, really 100% Pinot? Yes, 100% Pinot, Blanc de Noir. Okay. Oh, mine too. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So getting started, guys, as you can see, we already are drinking and enjoying some wonderful champagne. Welcome, family, to another episode of Simply Champagne. And today is more of a celebration than anything with my beautiful and wonderful friend, the beautiful Blaine Ashley, the founder, creator, and motivation behind New York City Champagne Week. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So if you guys don't know, New York City Champagne Week has been around this year. It's going to be the 10th year. So that's 10 strong years of running a wonderful and beautiful event. First thing, getting started, Ms. Blaine, I want to ask you this. Can you take us back to the beginning? How did the idea of New York City Champagne Week come about? And what made it be, motivated you to start this event 10 years ago? So most people know that follow me that I love the beach and the islands as much as I love champagne bubbles. Um, I was born and brought up in Hawaii, so countless proposals happen in Hawaii, and it's such a, a dream destination. So I grew up kind of, you know, being around and surrounded by people popping corks and celebrations for weddings, engagements, all of that jazz. Um, and I ended up getting my first hospitality job at one of the finest restaurants, French restaurants on Oahu. Uh, that was famous for proposals. It was right on the beach and beautiful sunsets. And and it was just every night I would see champagne being open. So I always kind of had a romantic, romanticized love affair with champagne. But it was after I moved to New York um, in 2010. So I've been in New York for 13 years. And I was doing um, uh, coverage for magazines for the wine and spirits industry. And I was also doing events, um, freelance events. And one of the trips I was invited on uh, to France, part of that trip was going to Bordeaux. And this was in June, 2013. And it was for Vin Expo, which is one of the largest wine festivals in the world. It happens every other year in Bordeaux and every other year in Hong Kong. And essentially I was in the lobby I didn't really have an angle for covering that event. I was just kind of going to go. And I met a sommelier from an opera house in Sweden who was opening up a champagne bar in the opera house. And he said, do you want to walk the show with me? So I started walking the show with him and it's the size of like three football fields. And I immediately started connecting with all of these producers I had never heard of that all were like, help us get into New York, help us like get distributors, help us get our, our brand out there. And I, at that festival, I just said, I'm going to launch New York Champagne Week. And that was that. 
Nice, nice, wonderful, wonderful. I, I totally forgot that you were from Hawaii. How is Hawaii doing right now? You know, I know what everything going on. How is things well, going on? Maui is obviously devastating. Um, the locals are really coming together to support. I am actually doing some additional events in the mid planning the 10th annual Champagne Week to raise funds for Maui wildfire awesome. relief. Um, and I have a list of families that were directly impacted. So it's not just going to a fund, it's actually going to the families directly, everything we bring in for these events we're doing. So yeah, it's heartbreaking to see. <laughs> um, and unfortunately we've had friends lose entire homes and you know left with their clothes on their back, but um, hopefully we can do some good stuff for them via awesome. New York. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. So starting up, starting a venture like New York City Champagne Week must have had its share of challenges. Uh, could you share some of the hurdles you faced early on and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so um, early on, I didn't have a lot of connections in the business. It was not nearly as inclusive as it is today. Um, at the end of the day, I was a woman in a sea of men um and predominantly white men so <laughs> that was really difficult to be taken seriously in the beginning um and i actually you know got a lot of pushback um i have always been really creative in my marketing of events and promotions and even when i was writing just delivery my, my writing style um and in the first couple of years i was just having this conversation last night i got pushed back for doing champagne cocktail events um i they didn't like blending spirits and champagne together even though there's such a rich history with uh, you know champagne and spirits and if you think yes. about it if you actually use champagne real champagne that's a whole other revenue stream for the, the category so my brain was always like market to sell market to sell um, make it approachable make it fun i remember getting pushed back for doing bubbles and burgers and now fried chicken and champagne and fried yes. champagne and, but then it was not no one was doing it and so the traditional aspect and my boundary pushing marketing style at 10 years ago was just not as respected or supported but i pushed through i i knew i was on to something with my my style and what i was going like the the way i wanted to market champagne to make it an everyday drink would you would you think you think that pushback is more so because you was just doing something innovative and different or is it because you think because you were a, a woman bringing something to bring the attention to something that was different I think it was probably a blend of both. I mean, I remember that, you know, I remember one brand once said to me, you just threw a party for your friends, at, at, like for the event that they did. And I and now I think about it and I'm like, those friends are now like top sommeliers at some of the best wine bars and like journalists. But, but they didn't know that then because the stigma really truly was and not to knock men, not to knock white men, but the powerful people, the powerful people with buying power were white men. And so, yeah, I think it was definitely a bit of both, like me doing something very different. Um, and, and honestly, like I could have easily just stopped, but I really fought for it. I remember writing a letter to a government group who wanted to, me to stop doing champagne cocktails and saying, hey, here's the history of the champagne cocktail and the French right. Chef Five, and this right. is what I'm doing it. So yeah, it was definitely both. 
real quick before we move forward, what is your favorite champagne cocktail? Um, oh, I I really like an airmail. Ooh. Which is rum, um, rum, lime, honey, and champagne. Nice. What is yours? I actually I'm 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 gonna keep it classy. I'm a huge French 75 person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I keep it I keep it very I haven't really dabbled that deep into the French cocktail. I've been doing a lot of research. I mean a lot of bartenders are kind of like very sketchy on trying to make them. Uh, they're not really comfortable making them, so I just keep it classy. So I, I should do, French seventy five is super super great for me. I, I love that. Love yeah. that. Same. I mean, I I just love champagne with anything. Like make everything a royale, you know. Absolutely. There <laughs> you go. That's probably another one of my favorites too. The Carrier is definitely one of my, my favorites yeah. also. So looking back over the past decade, what are some of the standout moments or milestones that you are particularly proud of? So I don't know if you've noticed that I'm doing a recap of the last 10 years on yes, your I've seen Instagram. That. People are getting confused. They're like, wait, when was this? Um, your hair short. And I'm like, no, it was a long time ago. But um, I definitely getting 40 under 40 with wine enthusiasts was a, a really big accomplishment. And cheers. I definitely cheers to that. Cheers. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get that by the time I was 35 and I accomplished it. So that was really special. Um, and they celebrated my avant-garde marketing um, style. And that definitely helped me get more on the map with bigger brands because at the time I didn't have as much support from larger brands. I was kind of almost doing it for free and I still in some ways am, but there's not a ton of budget in champagne, but you know, I didn't, I was, I got, the recognition helped a lot for me to turn a corner. Um, that same year, I launched my own private label champagne called Boule de Reve, which means dream bubble. And that was a limited edition, uh, just a tester. Um, but it was huge to have your own label. And no one was doing it then. I think now it's a bit more popular for people to do private labels, collaborate with brands and all that jazz. So again, it was kind of like a, a you know, early adopter for me. And um, I would say that another big milestone was segueing during the pandemic successfully and getting recognition for that in Forbes, which Forbes was a big deal for me to get. Cause I've yes. never had PR. I've never paid a PR company or anything like that. Like this is all grassroots. So, you know, to have the recognition, it's special. Nice. Nice. Building a successful event requires a solid team and community support. How have you cultivated relationships with champagne lovers and industry professionals throughout the years? Honestly, I was just having this conversation last night too. Like these are my friends. Like, like everyone's my friend. Um, everyone that comes to my events from, from the trade and media to the, to the customer, I have a personal relationship with a lot of these people. And so like my customers, like I know when they're having a baby, when they're having an anniversary, when they're getting married, if their mother's sick, if their dog is sick, like I really, it's about the relationships for me and making sure that I, that everyone feels like they have, they have that personal connection with me from the venue owner to the sommelier, if we're, if we're talking about the venue I'm working with to, you know, the brands, like I really like to develop a friendship. And I always say, if I don't want to be your friend, if I don't want to have a relationship with you, 
let's just not do business together because it's just not going to work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or you come to my events and you don't be my friend. But if you're coming to my events, then you're probably, my, I consider you a friend, you know? So, yeah. I told, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm an open book. Um, I'm, I'm a very much person that cares about people more than just on the business aspect, especially we're doing business together. I want to get to know you and know who I'm, who I'm working with and know that I care about you besides just, doing business with you you know there's, yeah, there's it's, so many not things. Just, it's not just a yearly check-in you like Absolutely. really want to keep the relationship going i think that's where a lot of like brand people and the sales people because at the end of the day i am kind of a salesperson and that's where they they kind of back themselves into a corner a little bit it's yeah you look at people like philippe andre yeah. he's friends with everybody he's so inclusive so friendly you know, it's like that. Those are the people that have the long term success capabilities, I think. And our community is really not that big. It, it's it's small enough to where we can have that type of, you know, close interpersonal relationship. Happy birthday. How are you doing? Congratulations on your child. Um, exactly. You know, congrats on, you know, your, your new venture or whatnot. So, yeah, it, it's definitely at a place now where it's not too out of control to where we all can keep in touch um, and see how each other is doing. So I totally, totally, totally agree. Um, as you reflect on your journey, are there any valuable lessons or insights you've gained that you'd like to share with aspiring entrepreneurs or event organizers? I guess just keep pushing. I mean, you know, if you're really passionate about it, like entrepreneurship is definitely not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It's not all a win. Like people see me drinking champagne and like that's all they see. But, you know, you don't see the long hours in the daytime that I put in. You know, I'm in basically nine to five um, plus plus because then you have events at night or you have to go support other people's event or you want to go support other, other people's events to support the industry. So the hours are long. The sacrifice is very apparent you know like missing holidays and things like that and we're we're all in hospitality um you know i i think that it's just if you really want it you just gotta fight for it and i've had many moments where i've wanted to give up and to this day you know it's the 10th anniversary but there's challenges all the time you just have to push through i i can i can attest to that i remember when we first met and me and you um talked about that a lot is that yeah. you know everybody just sees the success uh they never get to see you know the moments when we do have those conversations so listen i don't know if i can do this anymore yeah or, you know i'm not sure if i'm doing the right thing or maybe i'm you know you second guessing yourself and you you are absolutely correct you have to really stay encouraged and you have to have a very good community around you going back to what we were just talking about before um having people around you who encourage you because it is being an entrepreneur is a very lonely lonely journey yeah, it can be. And I, during the pandemic, I learned to balance it and to like, to, I, I, I'm grateful for that time during the pandemic, but, but before I was all work all the time and I nice. would never put my personal life, family first. It was business first. Now I, I have much better balance and, um, and that's crucial. Understood. Understood. New York City Champagne Week has become a highly anticipated event. How have you been, uh, how, I'm sorry, how have you seen it evolve over the years and what can we expect from your celebration this year? Well, the first six years, it was a complimentary event for the trade and media. So it was served as a vehicle to connect the trade and press to brands that they might not have heard of before or 
brands that just simply wanted to like really do trade engagement. Um, right before the pandemic, I started to dabble in ticketed events for consumers, which was very scary. Um, and because of the pandemic, we turned into a ticketed event, as you know, um, going into a virtual programming lineup in 2020, and then a hybrid event in 2021. And last year was the first year we did a full ticketed event. Um, and we always have trade, complimentary trade engagement events happening year round. And I try to invite, especially the people that I have been supportive from day one, I try to get them in the door. Um, but now it's, it's, it's a ticketed event. So it's really zigged and zagged. And I've had to ebb and flow a lot in the last few years because of the pandemic and post pandemic um, focus. And um, this year, we have been doing pop-ups across the country and various markets um, under the kind of sub-brand Tour de Champagne to celebrate 10 years. And the Peace de Resistance is happening um, in November here in New York, of course, for our 10th anniversary. We are doing our opening party at a iconic spot called Bill's Townhouse, Bill's Supper Club. It was called Bill's Gay 90s. It closed um, for years and a young restaurateur took it back over and he's reopened it. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun with Paul Roger. Um, Tuesday, we're doing a pig and swig dinner, a whole pig dinner with Skarnick Champagnes and our friend Kelly Mitchell, um, who yeah. I just you know, Kelly, um, that's going to be great. That's an intimate event. That's going to be like 20 to 30 people max. Um, Wednesday, we're collaborating with Fizz's Female, my female empowerment platform to do a champagne kind of queen tasting called um, on, on Wednesdays, we drink pink. So it's going to be like pink champagne and very women focused. Nice. And on Thursday, I'm really excited for Thursday's event. Uh, we're doing something called Big Bottles, Big Difference. So we have multiple brands. The closest thing we'll get to like a grand tasting. We have multiple brands and all of them will be popping magnums. And um, we're teaming up with a chef uh, who's also a restaurateur called John Doherty and his at his restaurant black barn and a hundred percent of the ticket proceeds post hard costs will benefit um his charity heavenly harvest and they feed the homeless so i'm very excited for this event and hopefully this is something that can get bigger and becomes an annual event yes yeah, so we have four main events going on. And other than that, we have little dinners and um, private booking opportunities. You need to definitely get your rest, Blaine. You are <laughs> definitely needed for sure. Well, in 2021, I did one event every single day and one virtual every single night. So that was a, that was a doozy. That was a big one. Yeah. I'm late right. this year. <laughs> Champagne is often associated with celebrations and special occasions. How has New York City Champagne re we contributed to changing people's perceptions and and expanding the percept? I'm sorry, expanding their appreciation of champagne beyond traditional settings. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to what I started when I started doing bubbles and burgers and champagne cocktails and frites and fizz and making it fun, making it approachable. 
um, recognizing that it is a wine. People open wine or I open wine almost every night. So it is a wine and it's the best food bearing wine out there. So the more foods that you can play with champagne with, the more approachable it then becomes. And every day is worth celebrating, right? So that's my two cents. <laughs> going back to what going back to what you were talking about earlier, I'm actually one of my favorite champagne places I ever visited actually was in London. It was the um was it Bubbles and Dogs. And it was strictly grower champagnes. Their whole list was number grower champagne, but they served it with like gourmet hot dogs. Yeah. And it was crazy good. Like yeah. crazy. It was phenomenal. So it this was kind of it's kind of ironic about you saying it, like how you know you got so much you know craziness about you know doing that um and it's, it was people in europe that were doing the same kind of, i guess it was the american market and, you know we're kind of last to catch up on a lot of things that go on in europe yeah. you know, as far as like you know combination of pairings and things like that. so i just thought that was really really ironic because it was a delicious delicious pairing yeah, we did an event called Size Matters one year with all the sizes of champagne from the 375 up to the Nebuchadnezzar and we had hot dogs and it was super fun. It was like our pre-press event for Champagne Week in 2021. Yeah. Nice, nice. I know you speaked about this a little bit just uh, just a minute ago, but are there any collaborations or partnerships that you're particularly excited about with this milestone this year? And what can attendees look forward to in terms of the unique experience or surprises? Yeah, I mean, definitely the chefs. Like, I, I love collaborating with the chef talent in New York. It's just, it's incredible. Chefs love to drink champagne in the kitchen. So why yes, not? Endless, <laughs> endless amount of chefs. Yeah. Um. So that, that pig and swig dinner should be a lot of fun. I always like to do like a really interesting, cool, approachable dinner concept. Last year, we did sparkling steak out, steak dinner with a uh, commune style with champagne, champagne rosé, champagne cocktails. Um, so definitely like that pig and swig is with a famous chef called Mark Porgioni at his place called peasant. And, um, and then we have John Doherty at black barn for big bottles, big difference. We're probably going to add another dinner, you know, Rita Jamey from La Caravelle. She's mm -hmm. chef's favorite champagne brand. So I'm positive. We'll do something with Rita, but that is definitely a big thing that I, I'm looking forward to um, and that we're going back to Birmingham. Birmingham was such a good market for us. We no champagne brands wanted to get involved, but the community there was amazing. People dressed for the nines. People came to all the events. The mayor came, the city council came. They have fantastic champagnes. Um, they have a great food culture. So it, I'm really excited to go back there in mid-October for the BAM uh, Food and Culture Fest. And we're going to be doing uh, official champagne toast celebrations. And then, um, yeah, and then uh, doing a closing party called Getting Grower With It. So like getting jiggy with it, but getting grower with it. And, nice. and, stuff. Um, and then Kelly's going to be out there for that too. Kelly Mitchell from Skernick. And we're doing a global champagne day week party for industry called Motley Crew. Okay. Um, so that's going to be with grower champagnes um, from Vino Toss. And th that's what I'm drinking today, which is um, Flurry. Yes. Long to Noir. Um, yeah. So that's exciting. So just a lot of like, you know, it's 10 years. It, it was not easy to pull off this year. Um, there's a lot of issues with supply. 
um, supply chain demand, um, all of that. But it's my 10th anniversary, so I'm excited. Nice. Nice. So balancing tradition and innovations are, um, is a delicate dance. How do you approach integrating new trends and ideas in New York City's Champagne Week while still honoring the rich history and heritage of Champagne? Well, I always try to have, make sure that I honor the history of the champagne producers and, and houses by having really strong representatives on hand to speak to them. But I think we know by now that my marketing style is very rogue um, and approachable because it's rogue. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that, but you, you just, hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with being original. I, I, one thing I do commend about you that I, I do say I have gotten from you myself is that um, originality is key and it, and, it's, and it fits you. Everything that you do, like this is definitely a Blaine event. It, it's you that's, that's doing it. You like, it's kind of cool, it's kind of dorky, but like I'm cool with it, you know? <laughs> like, there, there's nothing dorky about you at all. But I, I totally understand what you're saying. You, you put your own twist on everything. And that's one thing I love about you is that everything that you do is original and it has your own creative spin to it which makes it great and unique well thank you like you know the wine enthusiast coverage they had commended me for doing back that glass up so like i've kind of been a bit of a dork from the beginning but you know it's like it was a glassware comparison seminar but it was fun you know nice. um so yeah i mean like i said i i, I really have to go and talk to the brands to get them excited about what I'm doing. And it takes a lot of convincing. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, but there's brands out there that are adventurous these days. So it's nice. Awesome, awesome. Finally, what are your hopes and aspirations for the next 10 years for NYC Champagne Week? And how do you envision the event continuing to evolve and, are, and have an impact on the champagne community? Well, I'm very interested in expanding through these topics we're doing to other markets. So um, we're gonna be doing that. We're actively in conversations with um, a hotel group that's in third level markets. So I'm interested in places like Birmingham and Savannah and which is not far from where my family is. Um, you know, where this hotel group has locations in Nashville, Palo Alto. So I'm a little bit more excited about these other markets that don't have these things yet that I can help develop. Um, I think that's just a really cool thing to do. And if they don't have it, then everyone will come like they did in Birmingham. Um, so that's definitely going to be an active plan starting now because we've done already a few markets. Um, and then I'm also getting back into the private label game. Nice. I'm going to be doing hopefully a collection of champagnes. So. Well, I, I, I listen. You, you gotta let me try those. I already know they're going to be phenomenal. Gotta yeah. let, me, let me try. I, I, I definitely, I definitely will say that that is that is very tremendous because there are a lot of markets who um, do definitely deserve. Every market deserves to have a good a good week of champagne, and I'm very excited to hear that you are hitting markets such as Birmingham, um, Savannah, then Charleston, South Carolina, things Nashville, um, who don't have events like this, who definitely um, should, should be a part of the champagne champagne train. So salute to you, and uh, definitely keep Houston on your list. 
for sure. I will. Yeah. Right now, the hotel group we're talking to has a property in Dallas. Okay. So that ain't, that ain't too far. I, I, we can yeah. travel. We, 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 yeah, exactly. Travel. Exactly. So they're like there are three and four day pop ups we're doing, and I love it. I love it. Nice, nice. So lastly, we always end every conversation with like to call like the speed round. I like to call them the pop the court questions. So they're really, really fun, really, really cool. Get some people to know a little bit more about you and your champagne game. So we're gonna keep yeah. them short and sweet. So the first question is, what is your favorite place, restaurant, play with maybe a park or maybe a certain spot in New York? Where is your favorite place in New York City to drink champagne? Um, well, one of my favorite places to go in the summer for is Governor's Island. I love taking the ferry and going over there. They have like a really great spa. Talk about bubbles and balance. Like it's a, it's a spa that overlooks the city. It's incredible. It's called QC. And they also have um, a, a couple of cool little restaurants over there. That's my escape. Um, but my champagne destination has and always will be Cork Buzz because of Laura Maniac, Provence, who was the first and youngest at the time female master sommelier. And she created the champagne campaign. A lot of people use that these days. The yeah. term, but she was the OG champagne campaign restaurant. And... I love Cork Buzz and I will always support her. And she stays humble. Like she's humble from the moment I met her to, to present day and she's a boss. So yeah. Nice, nice. What is the best place in New York City to buy champagne? If somebody was coming there to visit, what would you say is the best place to go to get a good, good quality selection of champagnes? I will always be loyal to Bottle Rocket Wine and Spirit. It is also super approachable. They have kiosks in the store, like a takeout kiosk, pizza night, rosé, girl, like night with your girls. And so they have the wine separated like that, which I think is so cool and fun. And they were my official partner for um, my my champagne label and did me, did me well. <laughs> awesome, awesome, okay. What is your unicorn champagne? What is the one champagne you never tried that's on your list before you are taken from this earth? You have to at least try one time. I mean, probably just like a lot of the vintage Krug. I actually haven't had them. Um, so you would think I would have, but I've not had vintage, a lot of the vintage Krugs. What about you? Man, honestly, mine's actually the first, the first Don Perignon Rosé. Okay. Yes, that, that's the um, from the from the Shire Iran. He made they made it specially for him, um, and I, I'm a huge. I I love rosé champagne. That is like my my jam. I I can drink that all day every day. But actually, the first the first Dom Dom rosé 1951 Dom rosé vintage. That would be my that would be my right. one thing I want to try. I think I have a, a good chance of trying. There's other things are the original, the original Dom, the first Dom. Yeah. That, that probably, those are two are probably on top of my list at the moment. Basically, uh, 82. Like, I want like a collection of a lot of 82 champagnes because that was such a great year. See, um, see, for me, see, for me, I was born in 84. 84 was considered like one of the worst years in like champagne history. So I think when I go to champagne, I'm gonna lie and say I was born in 83 because 83 was phenomenal. I was, was 81 wasn't very good either. 
Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. So if they asked where you, you was born, I'd probably say 83 or 85, because I know 84 was, it's, it's every, I've looked it up on every type of article, and they said it was like the absolute worst. So I I, yeah. I guess that was cursed in that, in that essence. <laughs> so next question. If champagne could speak, what would you think it would say about the people who drink it? Bubble on. <laughs> Stay bubbly. Stay bubbly. I I, I like that. I Stay like water, that. drink champagne, look behind me. Yes, yes, yes. Don't pop the cork. Be quiet. Yes, don't pop. I know. I I use pop a lot in our vocabulary for our marketing, but that's just for the marketing. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you know, make it whisper. You know. Yeah. That's the that's the craziest thing. When I open up champagne, open up champagne for guests, and they're always amazed when I'm pouring. Like they're not paying attention. I show them the bottle, and next thing you know, I'm pouring. They're like, "We didn't hear a pop." I'm like you're not supposed. Yeah. You don't want everybody to know what you're drinking. You don't want. Yeah, don't pop. take an eye out. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, what has been your favorite champagne moment in your life? I have so many. Um, I. Well, one of my extravagant ones that is like, I am no rich B-I-T-C-H, but I got hosted at Monte, at Monte Carlo Beach Hotel in 2013 before I even had Champagne Week. Um, this is the, the trip that I decided to do Champagne Week, actually right after Monte Carlo. And I was there for two nights and I got to hang out in the Hotel de Paris during Grand Prix and drink rare 08 like it was water. And you know, that, Grand Prix season? Yes. And that was that was my most like one of my most epic experiences. Last year, my significant other turned 40. He's 82. So I we went upstate and had a beautiful weekend. Um, at this great cabin, and I got a two thousand uh, eighty-two Charles Heidsick. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and we had Petrosian caviar to start, and then I made a truffle pasta with an incredible Barolo. That was really special. Look at Blaine being domestic. Look. I, I can get domestic. People don't know nice. that about me. And then I have one more. Um, when my first champagne experience uh, from start to finish with a meal, was at Ariole in Vegas. They have the Wine Angels. I don't know if it's still around. It's like a Charlie Palmer restaurant. But I got to take my mom. And this is before Champagne Week 2. I was like writing. And I they poured Tarlant, Brut Zero, the Brut Zero. Ooh. And we had that. They were like, do you want to just stick with this champagne for the meal? And I don't think I'd ever done that before. So it was the first time I had champagne for an entire meal with my mom in Vegas. And like, you know, treating your family to things like that is... You know, rewarding and memorable. Nice. Um, mine's actually was um actually went back to St. Louis and I actually curated a um a dinner with all my aunts and uncles and I have like seventeen aunts and uncles. It's just on one side of the family. Yeah. Um, they all came and I purchased three bottles at the location we were at and just being able to see them actually just sit down and enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. Just to drink champagne have like, you know, crab, oysters, wow. uh, and just seeing them 
enjoy the experiences I get to enjoy all the time. That was simply amazing. My mom, my dad, my aunts and uncles, my fiance. Yeah. Um, that was that was probably the my my greatest my greatest British champagne moment, to be honest. Yeah. To be honest. All right. We got we got we got two more left. Two more left. Next one is what do you think is the one big misconception people have about champagne? Um, that it's sweet. I like, you know, to say people that do not drink champagne are like, I don't like it, it's sweet. And so I'm constantly having to debuff that myth. Um, and that it's not wine, you know. I, I think people don't think it's wine. They're like they put it in another category. So Right. Right. I, I have to agree. I always have to tell people it is wine. There's not wine and then champagne. We're they're they're still in the same the same category. One just goes through a a second fermentation and only goes through mm -hmm. one. And lastly, before I let you go, how can people participate in your events for your upcoming New York City Champagne Week? So, because I've been bopping around the country doing these pop-ups, I am a little delayed in <laughs> getting everything out. Um, we are likely gonna do a teaser with all the events on Monday. And then this coming Monday, the 18th, and everything should be live on Wednesday, the 20th. So we're going to list all the tickets and the events at NewYorkChampagneWeek.com. Um, I also always have to say that people should sign up for the newsletter because we're not a members only experience, but it sometimes feels like we are because really most of the information gets filtered through the weekly newsletter. And it's only once a week. Sometimes it's only bi-weekly or bi-monthly. Um, but that's a good place to go because I usually definitely like fill people in before it goes public. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you guys, you've heard it from the GOAT herself. Uh, if you guys are in the New York City area or if you plan on traveling to New York City area in October. And what's the dates again specifically for the events? So November 6th through 12th, but stay tuned because like I said, I'm going back to Birmingham and we're, I'm going to be there October 11th through 15th. Um, so if anyone can't make it all the way to New York, we have Birmingham as an option. And I would just like definitely like the newsletters where it's at because I, if we do any pop-ups um, after or before or, you know, the rest of the year or early next year, it'll, it'll go through the newsletter. Nice. Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys, hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank Blaine you. And so good to see you. Yes, and I, I will try my best. I'm trying my best to set my fall plans now, and I will try my best to absolutely come up there in November to come support the 10th yeah. anniversary of the New York of City Championship. We'll be, we'll be taken care of if you can get here. We'll get you in the door. Um, but um, we don't have huge budgets otherwise <laughs> to like fly people out, but no um, we, we are trying to find a hotel to partner with. Um, and of course the industry is very friendly. So it's like for industry people, like if you have friends in the biz, hit them up and be like, Can I, I definitely you? will. <laughs> I, I, I have, listen, I, I'm trying to diversify, diversify my, my champagne network tremendously so I, I i will absolutely do them and i have family that lives in new york i have family that lives in brooklyn harlem and the bronx so it's just a matter of me just being able to um to just fly out there and uh i would definitely come, yeah, come out. 
Come and, and, if, and, and if you need a worker, I'm always down to work as well. I wouldn't want you to work. I want you to experience it. But and I and also connect with the brands, you know, like connect with the people here in New York. Because really, a lot of the decisions get made in New York for like Absolutely. events and press and things like that. So it would be a great opportunity actually for you to come and do um, the podcast and even like out of the hotel you're in, you know, like if we can get you a hotel hookup, which I'm sure we can do if we want a partner to be able to, I can give you all the names of the brands participating, line up. Yes. Yeah. We will, we will definitely, definitely love. I know my producers probably in the background, like. Hello. <laughs> absolutely so again thank you thank you so thank much you, and it has been a pleasure and it's always an honor to sit down and have a conversation with you you have a wonderful day and cheers you too excited to see you and hopefully to see you at champagne week yes ma'am thank you <laughs> Bye -bye.